coming to get you, Barbara. I am Dracula. Red rum! Red rum! You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Dinosaur ain't no dinosaur. This is Darnish Horror Month. We all go a little mad sometimes. Do you believe in destiny? That even the powers of time can be altered for a single purpose? That the luckiest man who walks this earth is the one who finds true love? Hello and welcome to Film Church Radio. This is the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday, I'm Lewis. And I'm Brandon. And we are here to talk about movies. Each week, Brandon and I alternate picking a film for us both to watch and discuss. This week, to kick off our Darnish Horror Month, I picked the first of our ghoulish offerings with a film I've been wanting to see for a while. Celebrated its 30th anniversary last year, and it is Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, and starring Gary Oldman, Keanu Reeves, and Winona Ryder. Um, If you want to know what we're going to be watching next week, stick around for the end of the show. Brandon will be telling us. Um, And it will be something horror-related as we are in October and we do all things spooky around that time here at the Film Church Radio Towers. Before we talk about any kind of film, though, we just want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening to the show. We really appreciate it. Um, We're on episode 96 right now, getting closer and closer to episode 100, which is crazy. Um, So that means there's 95 other episodes that are available for you to listen to right now. We've talked about a lot of different films um, from a lot of different time periods, countries, people, all that kind of stuff. So go and check it out if you can. Um, share it with your friends. Follow us on social medias at Film Church Radio and tell us what you think to certain movies. We love to we love to know. Um, we've also got stuff on YouTube as well, so you can go and check that out. Also, but we want to know what you've been watching too. So tell us about that. What have you been watching? What would you recommend? Always looking to add things to our watch list. Um. Now, before we get into the main sermon, what we do here is we like to talk about other films we've watched, and we call it our hymn section, where we sing the praises of the other films we've watched. It's a bit of a reach, but it kind of works, so just come along with it. It's whimsical. Um, Brandon, we've watched one film the same this week. Oh. So so let's. if you want to go first, if you want to keep that for seconds... Then we yes. can kind of talk about it a little bit and then merge it seamlessly into my films that I've watched this week. Sounds good. Um, so what else have you been watching? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I got my Spider-Verse, uh, Across the Spider-Verse, Blu-ray, well, nice. 4K Steelbook in the mm-hmm. mail this week and uh, wow. decided to watch it and it was good. Yeah, yeah. Probably like, I guess that's my like fourth time to watch it. Um, because I saw it, I think three times in the cinema. Yeah. Um, the steel book is pretty cool, and I went ahead and bought like the reprint of the first one as well. Oh, nice. Um, okay. But for some reason, the reprint didn't have. It was like the Blu-ray and the DVD. It wasn't the 4K. So mm. I just took out the Blu-ray and the DVD, and then put in my 4K copy into the case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just okay. replace yeah. it. That makes sense. Um, it is yeah. a really, they're both really cool cases, though. I also didn't realize, or I guess I did, but I just keep forgetting. But like on the case, on the poster, the, the Across the Spider Verse poster with all the different uh, spider people. Yeah. Bagman is on there. <laughs> um, which is great because I made a movie called Bagman based yeah. on. You know, the Bagman from Spider-Man yeah. um, when I was, like, a kid. So, yeah. just, like, it was a huge project. It, was it like, took me years to make to make this, yeah. like, 20-minute short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just something about, like, seeing Bagman on the big screen is, like, bro, there he is. Yeah. Um, I know that when we did our Across the Spider-Verse episode... We didn't mention Bagman. And I can remember I afterwards you texting me being like, we didn't talk about Bagman. I know. It's like, bro. <laughs> he's in there quite a bit. I mean, yeah. I say he's in there quite a bit. He's in quite a few shots. Yeah, no lines. You know, but it's like quick. 
Yeah. It's always quick. Um, yeah, really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I think I might've, I might've taken my screw up to five. It might still be 4.5. I, I don't know. Like the movie is super, super good. Love it. Yeah. Um, it does. There is so much setup. Yeah. You know, um, and it's a sequel, but I get yeah. that it's like, it's not really, I mean, it is a sequel, but it's like setting up the next one. Yeah. It's just so much setup. Yeah. And I think that, that gets a little, I mean, it's all fun, but yeah. I think I'm just nitpicking. Yeah. The rewatchability, I guess, on stuff like that is kind of diminishes, doesn't it? It's it, yeah. the action stuff is kind of what, you know, the, the fast moving and spotting things in the background and. Yeah, the first hour is just setting up. Set up. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say the ending of the movie, well, the 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 train sequence going into space at in uh, yeah. Nueva York uh, is absolutely incredible. You know, running from all the spider people. Yeah. And then the moment... You know, where he's like, nah, I'm going to do my own thing. Like, I don't know, for some reason that meant a lot more to me this time. Yeah. Um, And then, uh, and then the ending when he, spoilers, when you're, when you realize that he's in a different, he's not in his dimension. Yeah. And he's, you know, this isn't his, technically his mom from his dimension. That whole the way that whole scene is sequenced and edited and paced is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Like in- absolutely incredible. The way that they executed that is genius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I think that probably takes it to five out of five for me. Yeah. Yeah. There's another, th- is it, it's very kind of Silence of the Lambs in that. Do you know the ending of Silence of the Lambs where she kind of goes to the house, and the uh, it's been a while. Yeah, and there's the the kind of FBI are going to do a raid, and it kind of you know cuts between the two, and you think they're going to the same place, and then you realize that they're at a different house. Okay, and she's there alone, and yeah. that is very like, you know, the same kind of thing where you're led to believe one thing as an audience member, and then it's like completely pulled out from underneath it, you know. Right. Yeah. It's uh it's so I don't know, it's so fun that that style. Yeah, it is. That yeah. that technique. Yeah. Mhm. Cuz then the like it's like the floor drops out from under you. Yeah. It work I mean it just works so well. But I think the reason that that came so quickly is that silence that like that is such a brilliant like one of the most exciting parts of the film yeah because your whole idea of how this is going to go completely gets kind of rewritten in front of you right and only cinema can do that yeah you know it's um it's hard to kind of get that visual storytelling across yeah it's great yeah for sure i mean i'm sure it's been attempted with like audio drama or uh yeah the books and stuff yeah, with books, yeah. Yeah. It's probably a lot yeah. harder, though, to pull it off. Yeah. Just be like, whoops, they were at 1408. Well, even in cinema, 16. I feel like it's yeah. it's it's hard to pull off. You know, yes, pull off well, is, yeah. as well as, you know, these two movies. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's fun. Such good stuff. Definitely. Um, And then uh, I finally went and saw Oppenheimer. Me too. Finally. Yes. It's been it's nearing the end of its cinema run, which feel is gonna feel very strange to not see it, you know, kind of underneath Barbie. Right. Um every time you log on to any kind of cinema app. It's just been yeah. those two for the whole like for the last two months. Yeah. So it's gonna feel very strange when it does leave the cinema. Um yeah, it's been it's done incredibly well, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, it has. Um, yeah, I had a blast. I mean, it kind of... Uh, no pun intended. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. 
it's like Nolan's style is so yeah. insane. He just seems like such like like you watch this movie and you're like, how did you? Yeah. How how did you? Like was this? I mean, I guess you were. I guess you keep track of it by writing things down. Mm-hmm. But it just seems so. Add. Yeah. Like I mean, but you can still follow it. It's like it, it feels like a ping pong ball inside of someone's brain at like a hundred miles an hour. It's like boom, 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 boom. Because like every scene, it just like starts intensity, intensity, yeah. intensity, intensity. But it's all dialogue. Yeah, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And the scenes just go so fast. Yeah, and it's like, like how how. How did you film all of this? Like, it just seems like, it just seems like not only is it a three hour movie, but it's a three hour movie where every three minutes the scene changes or less. Yeah. It's like so many setups in terms of like, I'm looking at it like technically from a technical production standpoint, I'm like, holy crap. And then on top of that, how did you keep me interested for that long with people talking? I know. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I mean it's like it just blows my mind. I, I think, I think it, obviously it's it's a combination of things like you know, like the dialogue being really good and the actors yeah. delivering the dialogue really well, and the music being good. Um, it's crazy that the music is just going and going and going and going. Like most movies, like music is in there. I would say like forty to fifty percent of the movie, and mm-hmm. this is like probably 95 yeah yeah percent of the movie just has a music going um the sound design is would i think is going to be the the main reason i go back to this movie uh a lot more it's absolutely phenomenal it's just you know it's um it's the perfect way to tell a story um and using music to kind of to help tell that story it never detect you know it never distracts from what's going on um with the characters or the scene it just adds the yeah. perfect amount of tension to everything yeah and in the end when it starts to really ramp up you know it's it's like oh my god <laughs> it, yeah. it, it just turns those very mundane scenes into like action dramas you know you can't help but just be like you know the words are like punches Oh, yeah. my man's going down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, man, because, like, I mean, it's it's such a different style, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I, like, he, he is... Uh, all of his movies are kind of like this, even the Batman yes. movies, yeah, especially sure. The Dark Knight Rises, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But There's a constant ticking in a lot yeah, of films. Uh-huh. But I think, obviously, here it he hit a stride that I think he hasn't hit necessarily in his other ones. I think, I think, I think this movie will add to -hmm. his other movies because it works so well here. When you go back and watch his other movies, you'll appreciate them more. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's like he, I don't know, man, like he's a mad genius. He is a mad genius. (laughs) <laughs> um yeah i th- there's only there's only one person working at the moment that could do a film like this and you know bring in the audiences that it has and that is nolan i mean just the storytelling aspect as well you know i know he loves like his timelines and kind of you know jumping all over the the, the place with that um but again it's just honed in to perfection it works really well None of the characters are really that likable, but you're still rooting for them. Yeah. You know, they it doesn't shy away and kind of you know, you watch a lot of biopics and it tries to turn the the main person into some kind of like I don't know, Jesus like figure, doesn't it? It's kinda of like this guy was yeah. fighting the battle no one but like but in this, it's like, you know, he was a genius, but he also had a lot of issues and a lot of like he wasn't necessarily perfect. Yeah. Which I liked a lot. 
Um, and there's got, I think that there's a scene in it and it was, I don't know if it's just because clouded by my current feelings, but do you know when the bomb goes off and he, and, and Oppenheimer comes back into the camp and they're like celebrating and they uh-huh. like, they lift him up on their shoulders and there's like the big American flag flying behind him. But as an audience member, I'm like, this is going to kill thousands and thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like a tinge of like, I don't know, disgust to it. It's, it doesn't yeah. feel celebratory at all for the audience. Yeah. You just feel a bit grossed out by it. And I think that's probably the best like shot in the film. Mm. Because yeah. it's hard to you know, when you're so used to um, connecting that kind of shot to like heroicism, yeah, to make you feel like the opposite way is incredibly hard to achieve. Yeah, and as an audience member, I was like, ew, <laughs> yeah, it's gross. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's good. It's so and good, I think dude. that coming out with Barbie at the same time has just meant that it's. It gone, you know, catapulted it even higher with the double yeah, deals that people sure. were doing. It's um, and I'm really glad because well, and it it's, it's it's a great double feature too because yeah. it's like because this is such, I feel like this is such a boys movie. Like this yeah. is such a I mean it's boys and their toys. Yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> and most of the cast is male. Um. I'm not saying like yeah Oppenheimer like I'm not saying like roof you know root for one over the other I'm just saying that it's really interesting yeah the contrast between the two movies definitely but they're both kind of progressive too I think yeah and it just means that people are going to keep giving him more money to make independent you know like not franchise movies yeah and the also also the great thing is that he's like been bringing 70 millimeter back and it did really yeah. well this time i mean yeah. you could not get a ticket no i know i can remember our conversation about it you know yeah um, i tried to go in dallas when i was there and um i was like okay well they have a a 2 30 a.m and a 6 a.m show yeah both sold out <laughs> mad isn't it yeah it's crazy it's like what yeah it's like dang would be that have you seen that meme of like uh willem dafoe sitting in the front row on a 70 millimeter <laughs> yeah, screen yeah. just like looking yeah. at... <laughs> let's get that one ticket <laughs> although it did feel like that a little bit because we went uh we didn't go to IMAX, unfortunately, but we went mm. to Studio Movie Grill and got like yeah. the second row. Yeah, but um, it wasn't exactly what I expected because I've worked at Studio Movie Grill before, and so I kind of know what their theater layer layouts are for the most part. Yeah, and row two isn't usually too bad, and they have reclining seats, so you know you can lean yeah, back can, while you're looking yeah. up at the screen, which was fine. But they their screen in that theater was just a little bit higher. So it was weird because uh, we, yeah. we were really, we weren't like, we weren't too close to the screen, but it was like really high. Yeah, it was very awkward. Mm, that's um, strange. But luckily, it wasn't too bad. After about thirty minutes, kind of got yeah. used to it. Um, and the sound in there was amazing. Yeah, like I don't know why. You know, some theaters you go to and their sound is really good, and some you go to and it's like not, and that really mm. changes your experience. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, the sound, yeah. like I said, is the best thing I think about this, and there's a lot of great things about this. So, yeah, yeah. Cillian Murphy, Oscar. Uh, I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's been around for a while. He has, and you know, Nolan's been championing him from day one, really. So, yeah, be nice if there was like a celebration to that creative collaboration yeah so many actors and actresses in this i know i know florence Pugh is really great yeah um i like it I, I wish that she seems to be kind of strong supporting characters at the moment mm-hmm. and i want you know another big 
meaty lead role for her. Did you see Midsummer? But I did see Midsummer. Did we talk about it? Good. I think so. It was about a year ago. It must have been around Halloween last year, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do like. Yeah, she's uh, incredible. She's. She is. Yeah. Part of this very exciting kind of new generation that are coming up. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is fun. I like seeing more of them. Um, yeah. Can't wait to watch it again. Hopefully, there's going to be a really nice 4K set of it. So yeah. To see that. So. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and then the other film that I watched as we go seamlessly through was another film from 2023, which all of the films we watched from this year, which doesn't happen very often. Um, but I watched You Hurt My Feelings, um, directed by Nicole um, Holofensenner. That is butchered. Um, yeah, it's um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus um, playing a novelist and then finds out that her husband doesn't really like the work that she's working on at the moment and kind of how she deals with that. Um, I'd heard good things, you know, just on like podcasts that I listened to saying that it was an enjoyable watch and seemed pretty family friendly for when I was, you know, with my parents and stuff. So we decided to watch it and it was, it was only like 90 minutes, but it felt so much longer, you know, in a good way or bad way, bad. Um, Uh. I don't know. I just didn't, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know why I care about this. Yeah. You know, and kind of like when I'm at work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly like that. You kind of, when people are, you know, they live in, they try to paint it as, as if like, oh, they're not, you know, they're all kind of going through a change in their life, but they still live in like a really nice apartment in New York and they're still like, you know, going out to dinner with friends and eating at nice restaurants and buying donuts for people. And I was just like, get over it. If he doesn't like your book, who cares? I don't care. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of like the main conflict. Um, And talking about sound design, there was like just a piddly little kind of piano soundtrack that kept coming in that just did not feel right. It didn't really lend anything to it. There was like massive periods where I was like, where's the backing music for this scene? You know, it just seemed a bit rushed and disjointed um, yeah i didn't really like anyone in it david cross is in it yeah he is how was he he was great i mean he plays he's kind of not in it very much i mean if you remember did you ever see up in the air with george clooney i have like not a few years ago but There's, so he goes around and he kind of fires people from their jobs and in and it shows kind of some interviews of him firing people. And there's people like Zach Galifianakis that are in it as someone being fired. Uh-huh. Um, and it was used heavily. I remember it was like used heavily in the trailer, but he's not in it very much. David Cross right. is kind of like that. He's ah. her husband's a therapist and he's one of their one of his like clients. Okay. Yeah. So he's in it. I mean, he's in it more than I thought he was going to be in because he kind of I think it starts with him. He's in oh, like okay. a few scenes, but it's not like he doesn't. It's know, not it's like, like character he's a supporting. Development. No, yeah, no, um, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So one to watch, one to miss, and I think it's on like Prime. I think it's just you know on streaming on Prime, probably one of the thingamabobs. But yeah, it wasn't that bothered. Won't watch it again. Womp womp. Yeah. Um, but the other film that we did watch is going to be our feature presentation. Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992. The letterbox summary is The Blood is Life. When Dracula leaves the captive Jonathan Harker in Transylvania for London in search of Mina Harker, the reincarnation of Dracula's long-dead wife, obsessed vampire hunter Dr. Van Helsing sets out to end the madness. Bum, bum, bum. So I had been wanting to watch this for a long time. I know that last year there was a lot of like talk around it because it was 30th anniversary and I think it got re-released in cinemas for like a week, you know, just like a special showing to be like, hey, it's 30. Mm. Yeah. And Keanu's, you know, incredibly popular still 30 years on which is, you know, John Wick 4 and stuff, which is crazy to me. Um, 
So I thought that this would be the perfect opportunity to do it, and I know that you had seen it before. Yeah. Is it a film that you've watched a few times, or was it like a Yeah, this one... was probably my uh, third or fourth time. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you must like it. You know, I, do, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it it gets better and better on each viewing. Okay. Um, reassuring. And I, I think, you know, I think if I had been um, the same age and watched this when it came out in the 90s, I probably would not have liked it. Yeah. Um, but, you know being the age I am now and and everything I think it's such a unique movie yeah um and there's so much 90s nostalgia in there mixed with yeah. old cinema nostalgia mm-hmm. that it elevates the film quite a lot yeah on top of like an an incredible performance from Gary Oldman who is always amazing and was yeah. also in Oppenheimer um and was amazing in Oppenheimer. Apparently, he only did a day on Oppenheimer. That makes sense. The scene was quick. Yeah, he said he flew in, did a day's work, and then left. Yeah, yeah, that's right. awesome. Um, probably didn't do a day on Dracula. <laughs> no, he said that every scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Gary Oldman is just—he's so. He he just he just becomes something else every movie yeah. he's in, yeah. Um, and uh, where was I going? It, it like, uh, yeah. I think the I think my opinion of the movie increases with every viewing. Um, but even like, uh, I don't know. I feel like Winona Ryder and. Keanu Reeves were not the best choices. <laughs> yeah. Um, I agree with Keanu. But but now in retrospective, it is kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it's fun now. It it does you add know? to that 90s nostalgia. Exactly. It's like the and, most 90s cast. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I think it would have driven me crazy if I I'm sure it drove people crazy. Yeah. Especially because everything else is... And and not to say that Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves are bad actors. I just think that maybe they weren't the right choices. It made the film seem immature in areas Mm -hmm. and not taken seriously, where I feel like the rest of the movie is taken very seriously. Yeah. Even the jokey parts. Well, I I don't know. It... Mm. I'm trying to. This is uh, um, this film is such a film of two halves for me. Yeah, there's things that I love that work incredibly well, and there's things that I really don't like. Yeah, it's a very kind of it was a very um, backwards and forwards watch because the scenes I was like, this is really cool, and then it was followed by something I was like, I don't like this at all. Yeah. It was a weird weird thing to me. So I'm glad that you said that it improves with like rewatches. Yeah, cuz like like you know, over time you're just like those things that you hold on to that you don't like or that you you know, mm-hmm. you might still not like them, but you can kind of just like enjoy the movie. Yeah. And yeah. have fun with it. And I think that's what I do every time now is like cuz the f- jokey parts are pretty funny, yeah. you know. The te- the Texan with the big knife, yeah, you know, <laughs> Anthony Hopkins gets funnier and funnier as he goes, yeah, and and I always forget that he's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like I've watched this is like the fourth time I've watched it, and I I've always forget that he's in it. I think because yeah. I'm stuck on Gary Oldman and and yeah. uh, Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder so much that like that's the movie for me. But like half of the movie is Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Like more than half, he narrates it. He's in the beginning mm-hmm. scenes as like the old priest guy, like. Um, yeah. But 
you know, he it it is funny watching his kind of descent into madness as the movie goes on. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, I mean the the cast itself are, are really really good. Um like we said like very very 90s. I mean there's there's like four really different levels to Dracula that Gary Oldman has to play. Mm-hmm. He does them all differently. There's like from the 15th century or whatever it was, there's the old guy in Transylvania, there's like the wolf one and then the young guy around town. Yeah. Um, he does them all really well. I just wish that we'd had more of the older Dracula. Because mm. that's the, that is the best of, yeah. the, of all of them. When he kind of comes to England and changes, I was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. I miss old Dracula already. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, his costume's so cool. Like the look of him is awesome. Like it just works so well. Yeah. Um, yeah. All of the freaking set design, costume, yeah. makeup, production design, um, the special effects shots mm-hmm. were all perfect. Yeah, and there's Do no you... like. I don't think there's much. If any CGI, I think it's all practical effects. Yeah, which is great. And I even the beginning when they're doing like the old, you know, the old war yeah. and stuff was it looked it looked like it was all like silhouetted and yeah, it looked really cool. Well, there's a there's a silent film called Prince Ahmed, and I think it's directed by a woman. I'll have to have a look um, of the name who directed it. And that is kind of all in silhouette. It's like shadow puppets. Mm, yeah, like that's what it reminds you of. And it reminded me a lot of that. And then when he's young and he's with Renona Ride and they're going through like the cinema exhibition thing, I'm sure they're showing it on one of the screens in the background. Uh, so I was yeah. like, it is. It So that is definitely a reference to Prince Ahmed. Yeah. Um, which was cool. But then again, I don't know if that lines up because that I'm pretty sure was twenty six. Like if the the full film was twenty six, I don't know if there was like any iteration before it. Um, but I I think that that's after. Oh, you know the film takes place before that. Yeah, before it's like yeah, yeah, it's like eighteen ninety yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. No one's really looking except you. <laughs> it's always that thing where i'm like is that am i just overthinking it and then it's later on i was like oh i'm sure yeah i'm sure because it's (laughs) like i mean they didn't really have cinema exhibitions like that in 1897 they had like the little boxes that you could look in yeah you know but they didn't have like theaters yet no or they might have i have to look I think there's a scene in, I don't I mean, again, I'm quoting films as if they're historical documents, but um, in the Chaplin biopic, and he goes uh-huh. into, like it's like a shed, and there's like a sheet, and someone's projecting the film onto the sheet. Yeah. So that's kind of like the early, I assume, the early iterations of like the cinemas that we know today. Yeah, because, I mean, they would have been turning vaudeville type of houses they yeah. would have just been putting up a sheet and a projector, but I don't yeah. know when projector technology came around. Yeah, I don't know if they had I'm, those yet. I'm pr- yeah, because I'm I'm sure again that it starts like the exhibition of movies kind of gets its start during va- vaudeville performances. There would be like an act, and then a screen would come up, and they would show a film, and then it would go to like a singing person. Mm, it would be right. like incorporated into the show. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, it wouldn't kind of be represented the way that it's represented in this film. Probably not. No. Um, it almost lost dream. me at the yeah. It almost lost me at the very beginning of this film when it was like Dracula was in love and that's why he became Dracula. And I was like, I don't know if it's because of Star Wars and he does turn a bit Emperor Palpatine in like the middle. <laughs> um, but I'm just like, I don't need a backst. I don't need like. Dracula to me works best as this on like like I don't need to know who he is and where he came from. Mm, the yeah. fact that he's there is scary enough. Right. I don't need this backstory. And this is 
and I think that that's one of my main gripes is that it's like it's all for love, and I'm like, give me a break. I don't yeah. need that. I don't know if I'm a cynic, but that part, I'm just like, I don't like it. Crossed oceans of time to find yeah. you. That didn't make you wet. Okay. It didn't. No. It didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. No. None of it. I don't. I don't like that part of it. I mean, when they were when Mina was like, I think one of my notes is like, Mina is horny. <laughs> because Wait, she what? Is. <laughs> like oh yeah, through. throughout the whole movie. Well, both yeah. of the women are. Mina, yeah. Mina and Lucy. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, this is really... They're even horny for each other. Yeah. Which is great, but it's like... Yeah. It's very much like a male gazy thing going on. Adult entertainment. Yeah. For the men. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Um. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was still like, okay, it's really into like the sexual aspects of Dracula and the fact that it is, you know... At its root, a very sexual thing. Yeah. And then it was like, no, he's actually in love with someone and she's dead. So have you have you have you read the book? I read it a long time ago and I don't I I could be mistaken, but I don't remember there being a backstory to him. Yeah. It's kind of he's just evil. Yeah, yeah. Well, just this force. I was talking to somebody recently. Um, shout out to Kevin who had had read it, and he was he was talking like he liked the book a lot. Yeah, he was talking yeah. very highly of it, and saying that Dracula isn't um, like he's not in the book a ton. No, like it's mostly about his presence, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Yeah, I went out and bought it again actually after watching this film. I have it oh, on really? to read shelf, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> because I can remember, yeah, I think it's around the same time as I read like Frankenstein. So the, these very big books, and Frankenstein's in it a lot. Like he narrates quite a lot of it. Or Frankenstein's ah. creation, I should say, not Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with Dracula, yeah, you're right. It's kind of, it's it's uh, it starts off with letters from Jonathan to, his, to Mina mm-hmm. telling, you know, his story and how weird it is and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm traveling like... back from Budapest. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of people telling you um, things that are happening, and it doesn't necessarily be like I think it was Dracula that did it, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's a really interesting read. From yeah, so. I would li- I would really like to read. I would really like to read all of those old school horror yeah. novels. Um, Audible, if you are an Audible subscriber they have like free versions that i think is i think is narrated by like tim curry or something oh cool so if you wanted to listen to it that's kind of there's a lot of classics on there that's how i've done some sweet okay yeah to check it out out well the whole uh the whole idea of like dracula kind of not being a huge presence um yeah or, or being like actually there um i feel like maybe nosferatu is more like that Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I think he's only a got like better. 16 minutes of screen time or something. Okay, yeah, I was, that's what I thought. How yeah. so? I've so have you seen all of the Draculas at this point? All the big ones. I was trying to think. So I've seen. So there's the 1931 one with Bella Lugosi. There's Nosferatu. There's the Christopher Lee one, which is pretty famous, and then. Oh, now I'm forgetting. So then there's like obviously this one. This was one that I hadn't seen that I wanted to tick off, like I said. Yeah. Um, I think I've seen Interview with a Vampire. I don't think I liked it very much. I'm just having a look through. I don't... Yeah, I think for the most part I've seen kind of like the ones people would expect you to see. I know that, you know, I, need, I, I asked Zach, actually, friend of the show, and he sent me a list of like 10 vampire-themed movies. Uh-huh. To kind of, for lack of a better phrase, get my teeth sunk into. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to be watching a lot of those um, in the coming weeks. So what's the October. list? Yeah, I'll read list. it out. Zach, you are here in spirit. Um, 
So the ones that he recommended were. Let me find it. Okay. Um, Werner Herzog's 1979 remake of Nosferatu. Ooh. Let the Right One In from 2008. Um, Thirst from 2009, Korean film. Um, Salem's Lot and Return to Salem's Lot, which I think I've seen because I think they were TV movies. Um, the uh, the original Hammer Dracula from 1958 with um, Christopher Lee. Shadow of the Vampire, which is about the making of the original Nosferatu. Okay. Um, Near Dark, Catherine Bigelow directed a vampire film called Near Dark. Mm. Um, Only Lovers Left Alive. Um, Tilda Swinton and Tom Hilston's in that one. Ooh. Um, and then Vampire's Kiss, which he said, your mileage may vary on this very campy Nick Cage performance. <laughs> so, but I mean, yeah, a good wide variety. I mean, they've been, and then obviously there's Twilight, which I haven't seen. Yeah. And I won't see. But, you know, vampires are everywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, specifically with Dracula and the one the movies yeah. you've seen that are about Dracula, you know, what what's your favorite and where does this kind of land, you think? It's weird because I think that obviously Nosferatu is up there. I think that's my favorite Dracula film. I think in terms of like representation of Dracula being scary, that's up there and hard to beat. But the early part of this, I would say, is there too. Gary when kind of, is creepy. Yeah. And the, the choice to do the shadows that yeah. don't follow him around is really cool. Yeah. That I was like, I'm here for that. That rocks. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that's up there. But the rest of the film, not too sure. The 1931's yeah. cool because it's like Hollywood horror. You know, it's very campy and it's short and just kind of shows you know, evolution through to what we have today, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, Nosferatu is hard to beat. What about you? I mean, which ones have you seen? Now? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I know I've seen it, the 1931 film, Nosferatu, and this. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think they're kind of maybe all on the same level. Because I'm not like... Yeah. You know, I I don't... I do enjoy vampire movies and I enjoy Dracula, but I'm not like... It doesn't mean everything to me to the point that I'm like, this one's better and that one, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, I think I I enjoy all the different depictions of Dracula. I think they're all valid and uh, have their own flavor to them. It just depends on what you're craving. Yeah, yeah. I feel like for this one, they kind of there's a lot of withholding. Like I'm sure we don't see Dracula's fangs for like most of the movie. Yeah, you know, because by the time that he starts like sucking people's blood, he's turning into a werewolf. Yeah, that part I didn't totally understand. Is that like part of the book? I don't think so. Again, you know, I was confused. I I, I was like, is that him or who is this? I don't think it's, I mean, I can't remember it being in any other like incarnation of the story of him becoming this weird beast. I I can, I wonder if it's just add an extra level of like horror to it, you know? I guess. I don't know. Um, I found it very confusing. Even now, watching it for the fourth time, I'm like, so is this werewolf guy him? Yeah. Yeah. There's some, I mean, there's some very weird choices in this. Like when he's in the coffin and it kind of shows him asleep, he's in like a weird cocoon. Yeah. Well, I, th- I like, think that was like him supposed to be de aging. Oh. I mean, I guess because I guess as soon yeah. as he comes out of it, he's young. Yeah. And looking but very But then he handsome. gets old again real easy. He just transforms yeah. real easy after that. Yeah. It yeah. That part doesn't really make sense to me. I mean there's but there's a few nods, isn't there? I mean there's the the there's the part where he comes out of the coffin straight up, which is like Nosferatu. He like Yeah you know, is yeah. like a a trapdoor being lifted up. Yeah. 
which is awesome. I really liked the focus more on Mina in this one than like in other ones. Sometimes it's just she gets forgotten. She's just like there to be used as bait, really. Whereas this, she actually had like a lot to do. And where mm. when she's kind of alone with Van Helsing towards the end, and she's trying to fight him because she's been like, you know, brainwashed. They yeah. were really cool scenes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, and I'm kind of glad that we didn't see too much of Keanu because he he wasn't very good in this lesson. <laughs> <laughs> it is the man himself. Look, he's grown young, <laughs> dude. <laughs> is this the same it, year as um point break i feel like it's I, it might be the year well, actually it might be the same year yeah yeah because i mean man two completely different like performances really yeah sarah and i always quote when he's like <laughs> like we're traveling back from budapest just like the way that he <laughs> says that it's like i'm guessing he had like a a, a yeah uh, a coach, a dialogue yeah. coach or something that was like, no, you say it like this. All the but accents like, are really weird though. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's fun. Like you can just have fun watching it now at this point. Yes. I think, I think so. I think once yeah. Yeah. I think Anthony Hopkins' accent's really weird. Um when Enderide is kind of the only one that sticks to her accent, I feel like the whole way through. Yeah. Hers is pretty consistent. Um, but when Helsin, Van Helsing shows up, it's very exorcist. He's like standing in front of the house in the fog. And the light's on in the window, which I was like, that's cool. It's yeah. a cool little nod to like, you know, modern horror films. Mm-hmm. I liked the scenes with Lucy when they're, um, when they're going to her coffin. Yeah. And they're opening it up and then she's not in there and then she's like walking down the stairs with the child mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. part was so freaky yeah yeah like i said there's so much cool imagery in this you can tell it's like a director that's made some pretty impressive films before yeah um there's also the the, the creepiest scene is when dracula's crawling on the walls Right when yeah. he's like stuck the razor, and then he's like outside the window, like crawling around like a spider. That is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't yeah. like that at all. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, the set design's really cool as well. Yeah, like the yeah. beginning when Hawk is on the train, and like the background is kind of you can tell it's like models. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's really yeah. It's all designed really well. Looks really cool. Yeah, makes you nostalgic for the old cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the transition, the old school transitions too. Yeah, like taking an image and yeah, superimposing it on another one and transitioning mm-hmm. is really fun. Yeah, like the love... filmmaking is just top oh, notch. Oh, it's it's incredible. I mean, yeah. you it's it's not. I haven't got any issues with the filmmaking at all. I think it. You know the direction is all perfect i think it's just the the romanticism of it and i I wonder if that's probably just like a you know it's of of its time where maybe you know i don't know maybe there's a lot more kind of all you need is love (laughs) in the air so people were making films like this where these backstories were needed yeah i mean it did really well at the box office like it so it cost um, forty million dollars to make, um, and then it became one of the biggest movies in nineteen ninety two, earning two hundred and fifty million worldwide. Wow! Um, the ni- uh, the ninth highest grossing film in 1920- 1992. which is, I mean, great, really good. But when you've got a cast like this, you kind of expect it. Yeah, I think know. so. So. It's a good year, 1992, looking at that list. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Tom, wait. Tom Waits was Renfield. Oh, I was getting him confused with someone else. But he is really good. In the movie. Mm-hmm. I really like Richard E. Grant. Uh-huh, yeah. I think that he kind of, his scenes are, 
they could be like incredibly mundane and pretty boring, but because it's him, it's you know elevated a little bit. Um, yeah. My favorite, my favorite scene is when he's calling Van Helsing to look at. I think is it Lucy? Uh huh. And the like, they're talking a lot about what needs to be done and kind of what they need to do. And then the American like drop kicks the door and comes in with like a machete. And I just thought it was like the funniest thing because he's so <laughs> brash and loud while they're just discussing kind of medicine. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, we're going to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> is that the Texan that comes in? It is the Texan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Carrie Elwes was also really great. All yeah. the supporting cast was mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. Sadie Frost as Lucy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just a shame that yeah, some of it just doesn't stick. Yeah. Um but it's such a place and time. You know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a like we said it's a very 90s version of this story. You know. Yeah. Um I could have done with a bit more I, I think the thing with Dracula that always kind of attracts me is that is the kind of similarities between Jesus and like the the Christian the Christianity aspect to it? Like Jesus, you know, his disciples drank the blood of Jesus, right? Right. And Dracula is drinking the blood of people, uh-huh. and it's very kind of I love that um, dichotomy between the two. I love yeah. seeing, you know that kind of being explored. And then at the end of this, it was like, like where is my God? And it like what? I know that you renounced God and became Dracula, but I want to see more of that. I want to know, you know, that should have been the backstory. Yeah. We should have lent into that, not the love side. Mm. Yeah. Because for me, that, w- that would have been more interesting. I'm just not interested in the love story at all. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's an interesting point. But, you know, if you are interested in the love story, this is your version. Yeah, exactly. If you want to know what made a man want to suck people's blood for hundreds of years, it was a woman. Yeah. Yeah, the ending, like... I'm not really satisfied with the ending. No. It just ends. And and it also, it just seemed like it, it was building up to something, and then it just was like, it just goes by. Yeah. Da, 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 it's over. Yeah, there's not even like a good fight at the end. He just yeah, arrives at the I... castle and then gets killed. Yeah. I don't necessarily need it, even a fight, really, but no. for all of the po- poetic yeah. um, nature yeah. of the movie, it just seemed anti poetic at the end. It, I mean, it ends with the, you know, show, like, you know, it is poetic in terms of like what they were trying to do, I think, with them. You know, Dracula dying in the same spot that um, his wife did, and then Mina is there, and then you the shot goes up, and you see the painting of the two of them. But it didn't feel like it wasn't edited right or something. Yeah, like the yeah. pacing didn't hold long enough. It, it, I don't know, it didn't stick it yeah. quite the way that I expected it to. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And also, I just don't understand it completely in terms of the um, the lore, like because there's the the wolf stuff I didn't get, but yeah. then at the end it's like, wait, so the what's going on with the blood, and then and then his like body changes quickly and yeah, back to normal Gary and like I didn't understand, like I want to know why this is happening and what it means. Yeah, sometimes it's probably just for the. For it to look different. I guess. And a visual representation that he's changing. That he's going to be able to go to heaven now or something? like. Well, yeah, because he... Does he, I mean, does he see God at the end? Is that what we're supposed to... Like, is that what we're I, supposed to... Like, God's like, it's okay. I'm here. You can come with me now. I guess. We're I even. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is it, mm, yeah, not a, a super great ending. Yeah, 
and the kind but, of hodgepodge of getting all the characters together, yeah, to kind of tra- like trace after him is a little bit. Oh, it doesn't quite work. Would that happen? I don't know. Would I mean? Would any of this happen? <laughs> Did it happen? <laughs> Based on a true story. <laughs> Comes uh, the <laughs> what you're about to see is based on a true story. May or may not have um, happened. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't think there's much more than I want to say about this. I mean, I liked the scenes in the mental institution. I thought that was really atmospheric. And like, yeah, and gross. the guy's like, "You'll be safe here." Yeah, um, reminded me a lot of like Caligari and Twelve Monkeys, which we talked about last week. Yeah, a kind of weird environment. Um, there was, yeah, there was. <laughs> There was a really funny scene where, right at the beginning, where Mina and um, Jonathan Harker are in like her garden, and she like pulls him aside and they kiss and stuff. And then in front of the um, camera is like a peacock, like plumage, and it kind of like stands oh, yeah. out. And yeah. I was like, to me, that just looks like this peacock is watching them from in front of the camera and is getting really turned on. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Here we go! <laughs> I, I, I think it's my only favorite about... part of the day. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm so glad I decided to sit here today. And just if you go back and watch it, it feels very like I know why they're doing it. It's like, oh, we're covering up the camera so you don't see really anything. Keep the dignity, but it does look very strange when you know that it's, um. A peacock standing in front, like putting his yeah. plumage out. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel like, but if you know, if uh, if that was done, like if, if Coppola was aware of that, I wouldn't be surprised. Because I feel yeah. like so much of this movie is also being like, this is all kind of silly, though. Yeah. You know, yeah. winking at the camera and being like, it's kind of funny and kind of silly, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then it kind of, because at first I was like, <clears throat> is this going to be another version where the sex is kind of unsaid, where it's just implied a lot? And then the next scene is her looking through like a Kama Sutra book. Uh-huh. And I was yeah. like, oh, I guess not. I don't know why that peacock was there. Yeah. Why do we need to be shielded from it? You know? Um, I will give. Well, the for... peacock turns into a transition. Yeah, that was part of the reason. Yeah, but it's just the peacock getting turned on. Um, I will give it credit because the first note I wrote down when I watched it was like, "We've seen this story so many times. Are they going to do anything new and original to it?" And they mm. do. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, they're trying something different. It doesn't work, I don't think, but. Yeah, they seem to be trying something different, which is nice. I'm just going through to have a look if there's anything. Yeah, I did want to bring up that um, when Dracula first gets in London and he's like walking around town and it looks like mm-hmm. old camera footage. Yeah. It, it, it is old camera footage. Okay, um, cool. I, I can't remember. I'm trying to figure out what camera was used, but it was like mm-hmm. an old original like silent film camera that's cool that they use to shoot those scenes of gary oldman walking oh, around nice. that's yeah. awesome perfect so it's not like stock footage it was actually them using mm-hmm. using a really old camera yeah wow that's really cool i like that um and it won oscars for costume design best sound editing and makeup nice yeah i'd agree with that and that's yeah. pretty pretty accurate pretty spot on yeah well, this is the part of the show where Brennan and I guess what the other person has rated it on Letterboxd. We purposefully don't put our ratings on when we log the film so that we can kind of add a little bit of spice to the end of each show. Um, so, yeah, Brendan, let's guess. Let's do it. Uh, I'm going to say you rated it three out of five. Cool. Um, I'm going to say you rated it three and a half out of five. Yes. Also, yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> We're just getting good at this. Yeah, I know. It's, it's too... Yeah. Uh, yeah. It went up. It went, went up half a star for me. 
Okay, cool. It might keep going up. It's a fun time. Yeah. Yeah, mine was, yeah, I think my first reaction was like three and a half. But I think because I watched it like a week ago or so, and it was like, it's just diminished as time's gone on. Like the more I've thought about it, the more I've been like, the things I liked weren't enough to override the things I didn't. Yeah. You know, there's still the the big things I don't like kind of depreciate it a lot, you know. So. But oh well. I'm glad I've seen it. It's pro- it maybe just suffered from the fact that I was so hyped for it as well. I've been waiting like a year to see it. So. Yeah. Can't live up to those expectations. Yeah. Um, what are we going to be watching next week, my friend? Um, I decided to change it up a little bit. <clears throat> keep it spooky. Keep it fun. Yeah, we're gonna watch Shaun of the Dead. Ooh, I like it. Nice. Which I've seen a few times, but it's been a really long time, and I would like to kind of break it down and yeah. have some fun. Nice talking about it. Perfect. I'm looking forward to that. Love Shaun of the Dead. Um, so that brings us to the end of the show. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Film Church Radio. And you can follow us individually on Letterboxd. Brandon is at Selman Scope, and I'm at Walker Lewis three zero zero seven to keep up with what we've been watching. We also have all our back episodes streaming on all good podcast platforms. Please please leave us a rating and review so we know if you liked the film, if you didn't know what you picked for us to watch in the future. Thank you so much for being here. We hope to see you next Sunday for more Film Church Radio. The only thing left to say is... How did Lucy die? Was she in great pain? Yeah, she was in great pain. And then we cut off her head and drove a stake through her heart and burned it. And then she found peace. (laughs) Amen to that. (laughs) Amen.